Morning, church. Church, church, church. Uh, John chapter 4. We're going to finish it up starting in verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one who sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And after, <clears throat> after the two days, he departed from Galilee, for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Let's pray. Father God, I lift up this morning to you. I thank you for it. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together in your name, uh, to praise you, to worship you, to get into your word. Uh, I just ask for your anointing over Levi, that uh, the message that you have would come forth, that he would be a... Good, good servant. So I just lift this morning up to you, Lord, and I pray that the word would come and do its perfect work, that we would recognize that we're this woman, that we're this official, Lord, that we are absolutely, absolutely unworthy of your presence, and that we don't believe that we 
We need things from you. We need signs and wonders to, to make the faith real. So I just ask, Lord, that you would forgive us. You would forgive us of our sins. And that we would seek you. And that we would honor you. And that we would glorify you, Lord. As this world goes to hell in a handbasket. That we would seek more and more the opportunity to profess you as Lord and Savior. And that we would recognize what that truly took to take the cup of wrath that I deserve and bear it yourself. Praise you. We give you all the power and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And how's everybody doing? All right, good. Have you guys ever made a mistake? There's a couple out there that have. Oh, that's good. That's good to know that some of us make mistakes on occasion. How would it be like to be remembered for just the mistakes that you make? Wouldn't be very good, right? Well, that's what we have here with this Samaritan woman, right? We all remember the mistakes that she makes. And so let's, uh, let's back up in John real quick, right? John chapter 4. The disciples and Jesus, they were leaving, right? They went up, they, went up to, they wanted to go to Galilee, but they took the long way, right? So they could go through Samaria. Jesus needed to go through Samaria to meet this woman, right? The woman that was been married five times and lives with a man that's not her husband, right? A lady who was definitely an outcast, right? She was the lowest of the lows in the eyes of the Jews, right? Jews did not like Samaritans, and women in this time in history didn't have any rights, right? Women weren't even counted in the census or in the population, right? So not only was she a Samaritan, but she was also a woman. But Jesus knew he had to meet her, right? And so he went the long way to meet her and discuss with her. And it had nothing to do... When Jesus saw her, he saw her past. He saw the issues. He sees the sin, but yet he still loves, right? Same with us today, right? He still loves us even though we sin, even though we make mistakes, even though we do dumb things, Jesus still loves us. And I know sometimes we get on the wrong path. Maybe we stray. Maybe we do something that... And we just justify our sin, but yet we still keep going down this path and we turn our back to Jesus, right? Jesus still loves us. Jesus still wants us. Jesus still wants to meet us at the well. We just have to meet him at the well as well. Okay, so as we uh, get into John 4, chapter 27 through 30, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So let's just back up for just a second, right? Jesus is talking with this woman. And just a fun fact, this is the longest dialogue that Jesus has recorded in the Bible is with this Samaritan woman. This is the longest dialogue recorded. He's talking to her and she is there and the disciples show up, right? So we have this, this group now. Right? And it's kind of an awkward silence. The disciples don't know what to say. 
because Jesus is talking to this woman and the woman doesn't know what to say because she's talking to the rabbi, right? So she goes and leaves, right? Where is she going? She's not leaving because she's embarrassed, right? She's going because she's excited that she met the Messiah. She thinks this is the Christ. So she's running into town telling all the men of the town. So let's just look at the reaction real quick of the disciples, right? They were speechless when they came back. It literally said nobody said anything. They marveled. The disciples marveled that he was talking to a woman. In another translation, it says they were amazed. In another translation, it said they were shocked. So they knew that something was going on here, right? This was a unique encounter. It wasn't something normal. Um, But yeah, something very unique was happening here. Even Peter was speechless, right? Peter always puts his foot in the mouth. But this time, even Peter didn't say anything. They were all speechless, and they were just watching. Now, let's look at the response that the woman had when Jesus came. What'd she do? She left her pot, right? The reason she came, the reason she left her house was to go get water, right? She was such an outcast. She had to do it when nobody else was there. So she went to go get water, and when she met Jesus, the encounter they had was so spiritual, so impactful, that she left her pot. The sole reason she went, and she ran back into town. We can look in Matthew 4, 18 through 22, and this is the same example of left that is used in this verse. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. For they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for men. And they left their nets Sorry, once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. So Jesus has this, this way of this way with people where they just want to just stop what they're doing and follow him, right? Hopefully that's the same with us, right? Hopefully we still we have that same attitude where we just want to stop what we're doing and follow Jesus. Right? That's what these people did. One guy was fishing, wait, two guys were fishing, right? Repairing nets. Jesus said, "Come." They didn't stop, they didn't look back. They hopped out and they went. The other brothers Right, Andrew and John, they left their dad behind, right? And they just left. They just went because they knew there was something going on with this guy, right? There had to be something special about him or else they wouldn't do that. That was their livelihood. That was their living. We also see in Luke 9, 57 through 62, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. 
But Jesus told him, let the spiritual dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And yet another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Now, what was Jesus trying to say here? He's saying the time is now, right? He told the people, told the first guy, don't, don't stay, right? His dad wasn't even dead yet, but he said, well, once my dad dies, then I can bury him. Then I won't have anything else to get in my way to follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to have everything under control in order to follow him, right? He just wants you to follow him. We will never have anything under control, will we? Will we ever have everything under control? No. If you do, raise your hand because I'd like to spend some time with you and have some talks and figure out the secret. But yeah, Jesus is saying the time is now, right? Follow me now. Don't wait. We always have an excuse, right? How many excuses did you guys have this morning for not wanting to come to church? Most of you made it here, so that's, that's good. You guys didn't have too many excuses. But the ones that aren't here, right, there's always an excuse not to come, right? Oh, well, we can watch it at home, which is fine, right? It's perfectly fine. Um, but it seems like there's always an excuse not to do it. And so Jesus is just telling them, let's go. Let's go. The time is now. Verse 30. Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? The Samaritan woman was so impressed with the love that Jesus showed her. Right? I think sometimes we miss this. I think sometimes we miss the fact that Jesus was just pouring out love for this woman. And he really didn't even say anything. All he did was point out her sin. Right? But he did it in a way that was loving. In a way that was impactful in a way for her to stay there and continue, right, to have that conversation, to continue to have that dialogue with Jesus, to have that relationship, right? To have a relationship with Jesus, we have to have that dialogue, right? We have to talk. And how do we talk? Well, through prayer and through his word, right? We're not fortunate like this woman or the people here to actually have a sit-down conversation with Jesus, Right? We can do that in the privacy of our own homes. Um, and then we see it in the return of the men from, this, from the town. Right? So the lady goes in. Um, not a very popular, upstanding citizen. Right? But she runs in and tells all the men. Because the women are at home at this time. Right? Tells all the men, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Well, we know that this woman has had at least five husbands, right? So she has done a lot of stuff, right? So there's probably some people in the crowd that were maybe blushing a little bit as far as, oh, everything you've ever done? He's told you everything? Yet these people came and they all wanted to go see Jesus, right? She did her part. She went and shared Jesus with these people and they came to him, right? It's that simple. Share Jesus and watch them come to, come to him, right? And that's what's, that's what's important for us. Like Jared was saying, we are the Samaritan woman, right? We are an outcast in some sort of way. We are sinful, but yet Jesus loves us. 
He has a purpose for us. He's going to use us. Right? Look what he did with this woman. He used her to bring the entire town to Jesus. This one woman. This one sinful woman. And he wants to do the same in us. As we look at verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. So they all meet. There's this awkward silence. The woman leaves. The disciples stay. They're trying to get Jesus to eat. Right? Disciples went into town. Jesus stayed at the well because he said he was tired. Right? They've been walking all day. He's probably hungry. So the disciples come back with food. They want him to eat. Eat, Jesus. It's time to eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So if, let's just use me for this, this situation. If Amanda comes to me in the evening and says, here's some food. Nine times out of ten, probably ten times out of ten, I'm going to take it. Right? I'm, I'm going to eat it. I'm hungry. So if I was to tell you, her, I have food to eat that nobody, that you don't know about. She would think, oh, well, somebody must have brought him food, right? He's, somebody's brought him food, right? So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus was telling them, yes, physical food is important. But the food that he was talking about here was spiritual Right? It was a spiritual nourishment that he was getting. Just like food nourishes our body, God's will nourishes our spirit, nourishes our soul. My food is to do the will of him. So just think, just think that. His body would hunger to do the will of God. And that's what our body should do too. Right? Our body and mind should hunger and strive for that spiritual nourishment. Strive to do the will of God and to finish his work. So let's look at the will God wants all of us to follow. Okay, what is that will? Well, the objective is clear, right? The will of God, we are to seek and to share, right? We are to seek the lost and to share Jesus with them. Jesus does the rest, right? Jesus saves the people. Our job is just to go out and to share and to find others. We don't have to do the hard stuff, right? Jesus saves. We leave that to Jesus. But we must seek and we must share. To do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So why are we here? Why are we here? Not just here at church, but why are we here on earth? Right? Our purpose here is to glorify God. Well, how do we glorify God? It's easy to say, well, uh, meaning of life is to glorify God. Okay, perfect. Well, what does that mean? Well, it starts with loving him and loving his people. That's how we can glorify God, is to love him and to love his people. If we look at John 17, verse 4, it says, I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. That's what Jesus was here to do, right? We look at John 19.30 and it says, When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
So when Jesus' work was done, he knew what his work was, right? Jesus knew why he was here and what he had to do and was to bear our sin, right? He knew he had to die on the cross for us. The man with no sin died for all our sin, right? He took that upon him. And when that was done, he said, it is finished. And that's the same word that was used in verse 34 when he said, finish his work, complete it, right? John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So yes, we all are responsible for seeking out and sharing, right? Is it easy? No, it's not. But that's what the Lord wants from us, right? If we truly love people, we will share Jesus with them. Now, the opportunities for God's will, right? Some people say, well, I, I just stay to myself and I don't see people. Well, the opportunities are all around us. Let's look at John 4:35 real quick. Do you not say there are yet 4 months then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Yeah, just look outside these doors. Look at our world. Doesn't our world need more Jesus? What would our life look like? What would our world look like if we were to share Jesus with everybody we knew? And they shared Jesus with everybody they knew. And the cycle went on and on and on. What would our world look like? Be a lot, a lot different. So there's no excuse as far as saying, well, I don't know who to share with. Take a look around. Right? Look outside these doors. Okay? There's people everywhere. You don't have to go to Mexico. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go anywhere. God sends you out every single day. Right? Most of you leave the house Every day, right? Some of you might not, but most of you do. And when you leave the house, that's, that's your mission field, right? It could be your work, could be your school, could be your family. Um, but God put those people in your life. Share with them, okay? Share with them. Yes, it's hard, but look at the outcome. What is the outcome going to be? Maybe they don't receive Jesus from you, but at least it's a start, right? We're going to talk in just a little bit about how some are to plant and some are to water, right? Maybe your job is just to plant that seed. Just share, okay? Put that, like Pastor Jackie likes to say, put that rock in their shoe. Let them deal with that, right? You ever walk with a rock in your shoe? It's irritating, right? Sometimes you're like, I I can make it to the car. Oh, no, I can't. I got to deal with this right now. And that's what we're supposed to do with uh, sharing, sharing the good news, right? Just put that rock in that guy or girl's shoe. Opportunities are all around us. Let's look at Matthew 9, 38. We look at that and it says, pray for laborers, right? So if you haven't found an opportunity to do God's will, here's two real quick, right? Look at the fields. Look, look all around. Look at your community. Look at your work area. Look at your family even. Right? Pray for laborers to help with the harvest. Anybody can do that, right? You don't have to be strong to pray. You just put your hands together, bow your head, right? Say a simple prayer. 
Prayer for laborers. Pray for laborers. Mark 16.15. It says, go into all the world. All the world means Buell. All the world means twin. Right? We don't have to go to a faraway third world country to witness to people. We can do it right here in our homes. Right? Again, look at the Samaritan woman. She was an outcast. Yet she went down into her town where nobody liked her. And yet she witnessed to everyone and brought them all to Jesus. Matt 28, 19. Make disciples of all nations. Right? So we can look, we can pray, we can go, and then we can make. Right? Those four easy opportunities we have to do the will of God. We don't need to wait. The time is now. We don't need to wait for the harvest. The harvest is right now. So as it was saying in verse 35, you know, well, let's wait four months for the harvest to be ripe. Well, if you look now, the harvest is ripe, right? The harvest has been ripe for years and years and years and years and years. What are you supposed to do when the harvest is ripe? Is there any farmers in here this morning? There's one, because the rest of them are out harvesting, right? (laughs) Sorry, I'm not going to say who it is. I'm not even going to look at him. Um, But yeah, when it's harvest time, you're out harvesting, right? Do you take a break when you're tired? Nope, you keep going, right? What if you're hungry? Do you get to stop and take a break? No, when it's harvest time, you go and you harvest and you harvest and you harvest until what? Until it's all gone. That's what our job is, right? Just because you brought somebody to Jesus back in the 80s doesn't mean you can't do it again today, right? Just because you did it once doesn't mean you can't do it again, right? Jesus loves that stuff. What's it say about every time a non-believer is brought to Christ? Right? There's a celebration in heaven. Okay, Just because you did it once doesn't mean you can't do it again. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. Okay. And then the outcome is guaranteed. What is the outcome if we do God's will? We'll go to heaven. Right? We have eternal life with him, and that's a guarantee. We look at verses 36 through 38. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, for eternity, so that sowers and reapers may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I send you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. So it's already started, right? Some of the fruit we bear today is from somebody else's labor years ago, right? And some of the labor we do, somebody else is going to reap later on. Like the kids in the back, right? Sunday school, super important. Kids are getting taught. 10, 15 years from now, they're going to be able to use that. And somebody else is going to reap those benefits. And the Sunday school teachers won't know about those benefits until they're in heaven, right? Our treasure's in heaven. So it's forever. Rewards are eternal. 
And let's look at this in terms of equality, right? What's better, a sower or a reaper? They're the same, right? There is none that is, that is better. They're both equal. And sometimes we get hung up on those things, right? Sometimes we want to be the one that does all the, all the reaping, but yet we don't want to sow. It takes both, right? It's a team. We're a body of Christ. We're a family of Christians, right? Don might share with somebody in twin, and then two weeks later, maybe Glenn runs into him, and they continue the bond. They continue the fellowship. They continue to pour into somebody's life and watch the change happen through Jesus, right? And then in the terms of effort, when you're doing the will of God, is it easy or is it hard? When you're in God's will, it's usually pretty easy, right? God will do the things for you. It's getting to that point that's hard. It's getting to the point where we're doing God's will. Once we get there, that part's easy. It's getting there that's difficult. Because we love our excuses, right? We love to make excuses. If it doesn't feel good, we don't want to do it, right? We might make somebody uncomfortable. Oh, they have a mask on. I can't share Jesus with them. No, that's not true. If they're wearing a mask, they probably need a little bit more Jesus. So we look at 1 Corinthians 3, 4 through 8, when we talk about equality. For one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants from who you believe, as the Lord assigns to each, I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he would plant nor he would water is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's fields, God's buildings. So it doesn't matter if we water, right? It doesn't matter if we're planters, right? Our wages are equal and we will see them in heaven and that's the will of god right doing god's will let's move on to verse 39 and many of the samaritans of that day believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified he told me all that i ever did so when the samaritans had come to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there for two days And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So the word God wants us to share with the world. Well, what do we share? We go seek people, but what do we share? Well, do like this woman, share your testimony, right? I'd like to say we all have a testimony, but I don't know if that's true. Most of us have a testimony. If you don't know what a testimony is, it's your God story, right? It was a story that brought you to God. And why is our testimony so important? It's because it's relatable, right? If somebody shares their testimony with me face-to-face, usually if it's a good testimony, you get goosebumps, right? You feel, you feel the spirit. It's like, wow, that's, that's amazing. If the Lord can save you, he can definitely save me, 
right? Um, and that's why our testimonies are so important. Share that story with people. Let them be able to relate. You know, you can give them a Bible, but the Bible is hard to read, right? Especially if you're a new believer. Where do you start? Where do you begin? Where do you end? Um, but with your testimony, that's your own God story in your own words, right? It's very easy to share, and people can relate. It was also seen in the time that he spent with them. You know, how much time? Jesus spent two days, right? He went there just to get a drink. No, he went there for two days just to spend with them, to answer their questions, to love on them, to be there for them. Back to the testimony. Um, if you haven't shared your testimony with somebody, you should. You know, write it down. People need to hear it. People want to hear it. Okay, share it with your family, especially those that are non-believers. Let them know. And was seen in the trust they put in his own word. Right, at first they believed because of her testimony. Right? Her testimony got the people to Jesus. And then once you, we get them to Jesus, Jesus will do the work. Right? We just got to bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus and let Jesus do the work. And it was personal. Jesus was personal with him. Same with our lives. Right? We have an opportunity to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Our very own relationship with Jesus. And it was powerful. They knew without a shadow of a doubt when he left that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world, not just the Savior of the Jews or the Savior of Israel. Savior of the whole world, including the Samaritans. Let's move on to John 43. After the two days, he departed from Galilee. So he's there. He's talking with the people. Him and the disciples stayed for two days. They're teaching. They're conversating. They're having a good time. But it's time for him to leave. And now they're on their way to Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. And that's where Jesus was from, right? That's where Jesus grew up. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they had, too, gone to the feast, right? So the feast is mandatory for all Jews, right? If you're a man over 20 years old, you had to go to these feasts. So all these people were at the feast when they saw Jesus doing these signs and miracles, right? So Jesus has a little reputation following him. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water to wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus spoke to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word, the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. 
As he was going down, his servant met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when that began began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he believed in all his household. And that was the second sign that Jesus did when he had come to Judea from Galilee. So let's look at a few things that happened at this event, right? So Jesus and his and his buddies, his disciples are coming into town. Um, what type of reception did they get? Well, Jesus pointed out that a prophet's never welcome in his own home, right? They knew Jesus. They knew Jesus was the son of Joseph the carpenter. So they knew his upbringing, right? They knew everything about him, yet they didn't believe he was the Messiah. They saw his signs. They saw one of his miracles. So they believed with their eyes, right? They believed what the miracles they saw, they believed with their eyes, but they didn't believe with their heart, right? The Samaritans believed with their heart. They didn't need signs and wonders, right? They knew, they just felt it. And why was the reception uh, not as well received? Uh, let's look in John two twenty three. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. So while he was in Jerusalem, he did many signs, right? Many signs and wonders. And that's what people were going to see. They weren't going to see Jesus, the Messiah. They were going to see Jesus, the guy that does tricks, right? The guy that heals. What is he going to do this time, right? Make a blind man see, take away leprosy. All these things, they were looking at the signs because they, they were judging the man of Jesus, right? Unlike the Samaritans. So then we go to the request Right, a nobleman comes to Jesus and says, "Right, heal my son. My son is dying." Well, how does this guy know to ask Jesus? Well, Jesus has a reputation, right? He has a reputation of healing people, healing children. And this guy was at the end of his rope, right? He had no other option at this time. He had no other place to go. He knew Jesus was coming. So he went to meet him because he knew Jesus was the only one that could save his son. He didn't do it because he wanted to see a miracle, right? He didn't need a miracle. He needed his son to be saved. So he went to Jesus because his son was at the point of death. And Jesus' reaction was um, a little abrasive maybe, but maybe it was just a test. Right, Because in verse 48 it says, So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Well, this guy believed anyway. right? He believed in Jesus. He didn't believe that he was going to do a sign. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah and that Jesus could save his son. And he did. Because... 
a lot of the Jews wanted to see signs, right? Well, if you're the Messiah, you can do this. If you're the Messiah, you can do that. If you're the Messiah, you could do this. Even though he was doing things that were in the Old Testament prophecies this whole time, right? Yet the Jews didn't see it. Samaritans could see it, but the Jews couldn't see it. So what was the reason the nobleman was depressed? Well, because his son was dying, right? And Jesus was his only option. And what was the result which Jesus caught, that was caused by his word? Jesus just merely spoke, right? And his son was healed. There was pro- they were probably about 20 miles apart from where Jesus was and where the kid was. Uh, 20 miles apart, but all Jesus had to do was speak it into existence, right? Speak, and the son was healed. And the news was so... There's two, two responses here, right? The, the nobleman knew that his son was okay, so he didn't rush home, right? But the servants at home rushed to the, the nobleman because they wanted to give him word, right? The son is healed. Your son is healed. You don't have to worry anymore. Your son is healed. Well, the nobleman knew that his son was healed, right? Because he believed in Jesus. But he's also curious to know what time. When was my son healed? Well, the report of the servants said it was at the seventh hour, right? The exact same time when Jesus said, your son is healed. Again, this was the second miracle in Canaan, right, where he was from, in his hometown, the place where people had a hard time believing. And what was the response of the nobleman? He himself believed, and his whole household believed. And um, that wraps up the end of chapter 4. And I just want to encourage you guys you know to think about the samaritan woman she was an outcast right but god used her mightily okay look at the jews they kind of took jesus for granted right the people that should have known jesus the people that should have seen jesus coming neglected him right they want to see signs and wonders they don't want to know about um how to share the word. They don't want to know about love. They want to see signs. They want to see magic tricks, right? They don't want the meat and potatoes of his word like the Samaritans did. So just um, just want to encourage you guys. Go out. Share your testimony. Have a testimony if you don't have one, okay? We run into people all the time, and this world needs Jesus. So uh, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your grace and your love. We just thank you for examples like the woman at the well, Lord, where you can do amazing things through broken people like us, Lord God. And so we do ask you, Lord, we ask that you give us courage, you give us boldness, you give us words to speak to people, Lord. We pray that you can give us just a heart to seek out the lost and to share, Lord, and not worry about the saving aspect, because that's what you do, Lord. 
We just pray you put people in our path, Lord. We pray that you give us words to speak. We pray that we leave here changed, Lord God. I do lift up this congregation, those at home that are viewing, Lord. I pray that this week will be a blessing to all as people start going back to school and and we try to uh, get back in a routine, Lord. I just pray for patience and peace, Lord. I, I just ask that uh, you continue to lead and guide us, Lord God. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.